You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Banned books have been the subject of debate for as long as books have been around, really. Harry Potter, Huck Finn, Catcher in the Rye, these are all titles we've heard at the center of banned book controversies at different parts of our history. And the people who are often there to defend these books are, of course, librarians. A new play premiering tonight in Detroit looks at how one librarian went to bat for a children's book banned because it included a relationship between a white rabbit and a black rabbit. Alabama Story was written by Detroit area native Kenneth Jones, and he joins me now in the studio to talk about his work. Kenneth, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks, Stephen. And welcome home to Thank Detroit. You. Thanks. Yeah. It's great to be here. Uh, so, as I said in the open there, a white rabbit and a black rabbit. Uh, getting married in a book uh, in Alabama uh, a long time ago, this caused a real controversy. And your play, of course, centers on that controversy and the personal narratives that sort of clash in that in that story. Yeah, I, I first read about this in reading the librarian's um, obituary in the New York Times, and it was it it instantly struck me as a play. Uh, a segregationist senator wanted uh, this book burned, literally said in the papers, I want it burned. Yeah, not just banned, banned burned. Burned, which is shocking, you know, uh, terrifying. And, and she stood her ground and said, I, I, won't, I won't ban this. And um, the play really focuses on the year 1959 when she's persecuted for this. He tries to legislate her out of a job by changing the qualifications of the job. <laughs> um, and there's a... You know, we're five years past Rosa Parks, four years past Emmett Till, I think. So there's this whole, it's a scary time for advocates of, uh, or perceived advocates of integration. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I love about the, the, the premise here is how something uh, that's metaphorical, which this book clearly is, raises these very real and substantive issues and heightens them to a point where we start to talk about the real tensions that exist between us in uh, society. Mm. Uh, in your play, you, you, you make a lot out of uh, the, the, the real substantive issues that were going on for both this librarian and the senator. I mean, they both have fascinating stories. Yeah, yeah. He's, ironically, um, he's a great supporter of books. He funds the libraries, and he's passionate about books. He has a monologue about how Tom Sawyer was his favorite book as a kid. So I was interested in, in painting a picture of the villain being complex and being passionate about books and the hero being complex. Emily, um, at, at one point, um, is so pressured that she snaps and she she gets scared. The difference, I think, in with these characters is that Emily acknowledges her character flaws. She's able to say, I'm sorry. The senator never says, I'm sorry. And at one point, she says, you are never wrong and you are never sorry, are you, senator? And he says, if I'm never wrong, what have I got to be sorry about? And I think that I wrote that five years ago, and it's so tremblingly alive today in our political discourse. Yeah. Uh, talk about how you find subjects like this to write plays about. Um, I'm always very curious when we have writers on the show about process. Uh, where do you find the inspiration here? You you found it in a New York Times obituary. I think that's yeah. a wonderful place to find it's, great stories. There are wonderful stories in there. But, but talk about how you go from that 
to this play that that as you as you point out really unpacks the the complexities here and deals with people not as not rendered as starkly as as we sometimes see them in popular media. Yeah. Well, I, I part of what I really wanted to do was not write docudrama. I didn't want to just have a, uh, a TV movie in a way. I wanted it to, to be alive, like theater is alive. I wanted to have pop-up monologues and surprise characters coming in. There's first-person uh, address. They address the audience. There's an epilogue. There's a prologue. The Garth Williams, the writer of the book, who, who famously illustrated Little House on the Prairie and Stuart Little and Charlotte's Web, um, comes out at the top of Act Two and and explains why he di- why he did it. He's sort of the in a way the villain in a sort of vaudeville turn. Um, so I wanted it to be um, theatrical. I did tons of research. I went down to Montgomery. I went to the state archives. I went to the Rosa Parks Museum. I went to Demopolis, this town a hundred miles west of of Montgomery, where part of the action takes place. So I, there was a lot of research, and I did treat it like a journalist in a way. I, I uh, was a freelance writer here, and I was a journalist here for. Uh, 13 or 14 years before mm-hmm. I moved to New York. Uh-huh. So I I investigated and, and interviewed, and that was a exciting part of the ex- experience. Yeah, and your play opens uh, tonight at the Marlene Bowl Theater, 1401 Broadway here in Detroit. That's at the Bowl YMCA, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Yep, yep, yeah. plays in the next three weeks. Really great theater that, that I don't think a lot of people realize is sitting right there in the, in the Y. Yes, intimate, beautiful theater. Um, it's the University of Detroit Mercy's Theater Company, a great hybrid company that mixes professionals and students in a way that really pops. Yeah. Uh, w- one of the things that I have found when I have done reporting in the South, which I d- did as a uh, correspondent in Washington, I would often have to go south to, to research cases when I was covering the Supreme Court. Uh, and I'd go to Alabama or Mississippi uh, or Louisiana and spend a lot of time, often in capitals, but also in sort of these small places. It still really is a different kind of place when you are talking about these subjects. If you're If you're doing anything that uh, that invokes history at all, race is right there. And it's really different. It's a different sensibility than you get in places like New York yeah. or Detroit. Yeah, and, and going in as a, I guess, sort of northern writer. I mean, I think of myself as an American writer, but I was going down to, to report about this very specific um, period of time. I talked to a librarian who I said in, in the city of Demopolis, the town of Demopolis, I said, where should I go? What should I see? And I she said, well, you don't want to go to the east side. You want to go to the west side over where the Walmart is. And it, immediately I went to the east side because that's where all the poor black folks were. It's where, you know, it's what they wanted. The narrative she wanted to tell yeah. was a very specific white narrative that was really interesting to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there was a lot of research involved and it, it, it's, another, it's another world. Uh, one of the quotes uh, that I read that you uh, offered about this work, Alabama Story, you said, I hope it sparks a memory of a beloved book, the person who gave it to you and the day that you realized that a, quote, turning of the page could be both terrifying and wonderful. Maybe it'll also be a reminder that no matter what our differences on some level, we all share the same story. There's a lot going on in that quote, mm. but but particularly the idea of the beloved book. That is one of my favorite ideas mm. in, in sort of popular culture is that we still walk around with these stories and images and themes in our heads that we got 
from a book. And often it's a book that we read at a really young age. Uh, talk about that, that role that that plays in your life, uh, the beloved book. Yeah, well, the passing of books is a huge um, repeated physical action in the play. And, and um, I, I worked in libraries in my elementary school and, and you know, I grew up loving Dr. Seuss. And, you know, of course, Dr. Seuss was also banned in sure. many, many of his books. Um, but, you know, books, we discover things in books. Um, they unlock worlds. And I think that throughout this play, many people keep discovering new things through conversations, through telling stories. And, and the idea of telling stories is a repeated idea. Um, so very powerful. Yeah. yeah. Does the senator in your play ever experience some sort of reconciliation, uh, some sort of cleansing of, of, of this past. I mean, I, I love how he's a complex character who is not, you know, uh, against books or against literature. He's in some ways a creature of his time mm. in the sense that the segregation was the way things were. Uh, a lot of people would say he's a racist. There's no question that, mm -hmm. that he is uh, trapped by that, uh, by that way of thinking. But does he sort of come to any, in his lifetime, does he come to any sort of solve of all of those things? Well, there's no question that his rhetoric caused harm for many, many years and generations to come. You know, he poisoned future generations, as did George um, Wallace. He does at the end claim that he softened with time, as older people do once you get sicker or older or have grandchildren. Yeah. Um, he says, but so, you know, I softened like George Wallace did. And I think the George Wallace question is the, the open question. Did how much did right. George Wallace And how really much credit do you do want to extend to somebody in that circumstance? Yeah. That's at the, very difficult. At the very end of the play, we learned that he tried. He um, announced a resolution to try to um, censor "To Kill a Mockingbird" the film. So, I mean, that was <laughs> four years after this this experience, right. or so, three years after. So, so, back in the same space again. Yeah. And yeah. what about the librarian? What becomes of her? Um, she. Uh, to, to sort of, spoiler alert, she um, moves to Washington, D.C., which in real life she did. She becomes a, a librarian at the Enoch Pratt Free Library in Baltimore, which yeah. we just learned that the new librarian of Congress. Carla Hayden, yeah. So, I lived in Baltimore for a very long time, and I know Carla, and yeah. I know the Enoch Pratt, which is a wonderful yeah. library system. So, so all the dots of history yeah. get connected in <laughs> really weird ways. I, I love that history's you know, right. with us. Right. Uh, talk about some of your other work. Well, I, I, um, I, I'm really lucky that this play has been done around the country. This uh -huh. is the fifth production this year. Yeah. It had its premiere in Salt Lake City. I'm working on a couple of other things. I'm also a lyricist and a librettist. I've done a couple of musicals that are, are um, I'm shopping around. Yeah. Um, this is the first historical play. Um, yeah, I was going to ask, is history often the, the inspiration? This jumped out at me. Um, right now, I'm, I'm glad to be in residence here for two weeks. I'm, my next play is going to be about the Oakland Ch County child killings in oh, 1976. Really? I was 13 years old when this happened in 1976. And the idea of fear was, it terrified us all as it kids. It changed the way that I think parents in this entire region think about their children, think about safety. Yep. The way, as you point out, uh, I was a little younger at that time, but I can remember uh, being about the, the age that you were in the early 1980s and people talking about yeah. that case and the way it changed the way we do everything. So I've been talking to some friends about that. We all grew up during that time. A friend of mine knew that one of the victims um, and fear in high schools is different now. We have different fears. We had yeah. different fears in the 50s with nuclear war. Yeah. So that, that interests me, and I'm just investigating that. Yeah. So that, that sort of echo forward is also, of course, 
at the heart of Alabama story. That uh, some of the things that you're dealing with in that play, we we could talk about right now in yeah. terms of uh, the way that we deal with each other, the differences we see in each other, and how we react. To uh, them. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act is referenced, and that you know, we're five, still having that argument. Yeah, five years ago, and I wrote this that there weren't changes in those in those acts yet yeah. so yeah okay kenneth jones author of alabama story which opens tonight at the marlene bowl theater 1401 broadway here in detroit it'll be uh, thursday friday and saturday at 7 30 p.m and then uh, 3 p.m on sunday uh, again, welcome home and congratulations Thanks. on the wonderful work. Thanks. Come down and see it. Absolutely. Great, cheers. All right. That's going to do it for me today. I will be back tomorrow. I hope you will too. This is 1019 WDET Detroit, Wayne State's public radio station. We will see you tomorrow. <laughs>